Our scripture reading this morning is in Luke 2. It's Luke 2, 21 through 35. And the messages today are not uh, really part of any sermon series that we're doing right now, but Simeon this morning and Anna tonight, we might very well call them also Old Testament heroes of the faith. By far most of their lives, they lived in Old Testament times. And we read here in these verses how they met Jesus late in their life. Luke 2, beginning at verse 21, let's listen to God's holy and infallible word. On the eighth day, when it was time to circumcise him, he was named Jesus, the name the angel had given him before he had been conceived. When the time of their purification, according to the law of Moses, had been completed, Joseph and Mary took him to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. As it is written in the law of the Lord, every firstborn male is to be consecrated to the Lord and to offer a sacrifice in keeping with what is said in the law of the Lord, a pair of doves or two young pigeons. Now, there was a man in Jerusalem called Simeon who was righteous and devout. He was waiting for the consolation of Israel and the Holy Spirit was upon him. It had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not die before he had seen the Lord's Christ. Moved by the Spirit, he went into the temple courts. When the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him what the custom of the law required, Simeon took him in his arms and praised God, saying, Sovereign Lord, as you have promised, you now dismiss your servant in peace. For my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared in the sight of all people a light for revelation to the Gentiles and for glory to your people Israel. The child's father and mother marveled at what was said about him, and then Simeon blessed them, and he said to Mary his mother, This child is destined to cause the falling and rising of many in Israel and to be a sign that will be spoken against so that the thoughts of many hearts will be revealed. And a sword will pierce your own soul too. And that's God's word for us, and we believe that last, a sword will pierce your own soul too, is a prophecy of Mary seeing Jesus die on the cross. Family of God, we want to finish things well in life. High school and college students, you want to finish the semester well during that week of exams. It's important for a sports team to finish games well. That fourth quarter, the final period, has to be strong, and a team wants to finish the season well, unlike what we're seeing with the Bears. We want to end our careers well. Kobe Bryant on the Lakers is trying to do that as he reaches the end of his NBA career a career that I followed pretty closely over the years. As we approach the end of 2014, we want to finish the year well. We want to have had a, a, a good year, a decent year financially. We want our relationships to be solid all around at the end of the year. And as believers too, we want to finish the year strong in terms of our faith. 
in terms of our, our serving and giving to the kingdom, our devotional life, our loving God and loving others, we don't want to limp to the finish line. No one wants to do that. And, you know, we want to finish our life well on this earth, too. As we get older, we want to have been counted faithful in our commitments to the Lord and to others. We don't want to be someone who just loses it as we get older, though sometimes our minds fade and and we see that in loved ones and there's nothing we can do about that. But as much as we're able, we want to be helpful to those in the generations below us, right? Encouraging. We want to have made a difference for the Lord in our lives. We, we want to be someone like this guy, Simeon. We get the strong impression that he was older because he says in his song, now dismiss your servant in peace. It sounds like he's ready to die now that he's seen Jesus. The Spirit of the Lord Jesus is at work in this man. And because of that, we can find some keys to finishing well. Whether you want to think of this year, whether you're thinking about your own life, whether you're thinking about completing and finishing other commitments you have, the Spirit who was at work in Simeon, He provides us with a posture, a hope, and a vision for finishing well that that we can take with us today, that we can take us through the end of the year and into next. First of all, the posture we need to finish well. Uh, You might say the demeanor or the attitude. And the posture, the attitude is one of expectation. Expectation. There are a lot of ways that people approach life and, and you, know, you know some people who have sort of an overall cynicism. And, and you can see how that can happen. How people can develop that sort of outlook because life is rough. Life can let you down. You look at the world, you look at politics, again, you look at the bears and it's enough to make you depressed about things. It can give you a negative attitude. Doesn't it seem like the more you learn about the world and the more you learn about people, the more reasons you can find to have that sort of an outlook? The more you get to know someone, the more faults you will find. And when you learn even more about the ins and outs of an organization by serving, let's say it's at a school or in a church, when you learn more, you see warts that you didn't even know were there. This guy, Simeon, had no doubt seen a lot over his lifetime. He had been waiting for the consolation of Israel, we read. And that refers to the comfort that the Messiah would bring God's people. He was waiting for God's promised salvation for people lost in sin. And up to this point, there had been no response, silence, nothing. In fact, there was a period of 400 years of silence since God had last spoke 
ending the books of the Old Testament, waiting and waiting. Simeon's life, but also generations before him, and nothing. And yet, we don't get the impression that he was deflated. We don't get the impression that he got jaded after all those years. No, he was expectant. He was not cynical, like we can get sometimes. How could he have this outlook, though he must have been weary from life? I believe the key is in the very first part of his words, his song. Sovereign Lord, as you have promised. He was clinging to the promises of God. God had made all these promises to his people that he would be their faithful God, that he would keep them. Simeon was banking on those promises. He knew that God is completely dependable. And he calls God sovereign Lord, certain that God was still in control and working out all things for his people's good and for his glory. Maybe you're approaching year's end and things have not turned out in 2014 as you had hoped. This was going to be the year to lose those pounds and get healthier. This was going to be the year to take a step forward at work, to get your life more organized, to improve your marriage, to meet the person of your dreams. And here we're sitting at December 28th, and it's pretty much the same as last year. You're still waiting for the awesomeness to happen. That Lego movie this year told us everything was awesome. And even with that song stuck in our heads, if you're parents of small children, everything is awesome. We're not so sure about all that. Maybe you feel a little deflated. Maybe you're someone who can get jaded by life. With Simeon, don't give in to despair. Keep a posture of expectation, an attitude of faith. Our God is on the throne. He's working out all things for your good. He is faithful. His promises will come to pass. He'll care for you as he always has up to this day. Keep your chin up. Our sovereign God has a perfect plan for you. He's got you and your loved ones in his grip. He won't fail you. Don't give in to the feelings of despair. They're feelings. Instead, stand on the rock-solid promises of the Lord from His Word. It wasn't too long ago I was having a conversation uh, with, with someone, uh, someone dear to me who had lost a spouse to cancer. And this person was sharing how there was a particular time that was very, very tough, very sad. And then God brought to that person's mind His promises. That person thought of God's promises and received consolation, God's comfort in a truly miraculous and sudden way. And since that time, of course, there are days with challenges, but knowing and depending on those sure promises of God, 
It's making all the difference. And for each one of us, having God's promises can truly make all the difference in our outlook on life. God's Spirit was at work in Simeon, keeping his outlook, his posture positive, keeping a sparkle in his eye because he knew that the God who had never let one of his children down wouldn't let him down either. May God's Spirit fill each of us with an expectation in him in our lives. And we can have this posture, this demeanor, as we read and internalize and know and experience the promises of our God. Second, Jesus at work in Simeon gives us a hope. Hope makes all the difference in life. Without hope, you can become paralyzed, despondent, you're lifeless. Simeon had a hope. He was waiting for Israel's comfort, the hope of all the promises of God, Jesus. We're told uh, some interesting things here, if you noticed, of Jesus' circumcision, the time of purification, talking about a presentation in the temple, the law of God is quoted, and what that's doing is it's giving us details about why we need the hope that Jesus brings. All Jewish boys were to be circumcised on the eighth day. That was the sign of the covenant back then as baptism is today. It's a reminder that we need to be in covenant relationship with God because of our sin. Jesus didn't need to be circumcised. He didn't need the sign of belonging to God. He was God. He was perfect. Getting circumcised like every other sinner in those days was in a sense a sign of why he came, a sign of his work for us because that was him being treated as a sinner for our sake. Mary's purification was a reminder that unclean sinners need to be made pure before a holy God. And this presentation and dedication in the temple, that's a reminder of people's sin too. All firstborn sons, originally in God's design, God's plan was that they would serve as priests in the temple. Every time a firstborn son was born, he would go serve in the temple. And that would be a great honor and privilege for all the families of God's people to share in. But at Sinai, God punished the people by taking away that privilege that all these families would have. And instead, he made the priesthood only for Levites. The reason this had to happen with Jesus and all of their firstborns, God then required that each firstborn, sometime after birth, had to come to the temple and be redeemed from that originally required service. So here again, like in circumcision, how humiliating the Son of God treated as a sinner when he was not for our sake. But in God's plan, he did all these things because he would bear his people's sins. That's what Jesus came to do, to offer himself to God in place of a sinful people. And all of that crystallizes the hope that we all need. It's salvation from sin. The ultimate need that we have is the need for a Savior. God provided it in his Son. 
as we think of our lives and the needs that we have, we can finish well because God does supply all our needs in Jesus. Because of Jesus, we truly lack nothing. You don't have to wistfully think about what could have been this past year. We don't have to think back longingly on our lives and say, if only this, if only that. No. If we've given our life to Jesus, all our hopes and dreams have been realized. Jesus will supply all you need, even as he's met us in our greatest need. Simeon says, my eyes have seen your salvation. Um, just one more thought. Uh, the Spirit of Jesus gives us a, a posture, a hope, and then finally, a vision for our lives. Simeon talks about the salvation being prepared in the sight of all people, a light for revelation, a glory to God's people Israel, and the vision that God gave his people all along was to be a blessing to the nations. That's the vision, that God's light would shine in the darkness of this world. Israel failed miserably at that, and we would fail too without Jesus, but with Jesus coming, that vision is realized. In the next generation after Simeon, the apostles would take Jesus and his good news to the then known world, and his light would travel like wildfire in the decades and centuries ahead. And the difference that that light of Jesus made is some of what we're going to be exploring in that new sermon series I was talking about in a couple weeks on January 11th. In this vision for the future, Simeon anticipates that there are going to be those who reject Jesus, right? As the light goes out, Jesus is destined to cause the rising and falling of many, some choose to stay in the darkness, even as we share the light. But yet the vision, the light goes outward, it goes forward. And this is a, a vision that, that we're invited to have too. As we think of our lives, what is our vision? This isn't just for someone who's older to think about who is closer to the end. None of us knows when the Lord will call us home. What is our vision? Do you have a vision for after you're gone? May our vision be that the light of Christ, the light of God's salvation, be passed on from us and outward to those around us and forward to the next generations. May the vision be that we have shared the faith but there's more. That's not all of God's vision for his people. It's that the light goes out. And as this year ends, may God give us a vision for the year to come. Amen?